Hallelujah. Let's take our Bibles, remain standing, and turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Just before we read this, um, Brother Joel and Terrell, just stay here for a moment. Pastor Orlando. I, I just want to make mention of these three men. They have been working together in developing our worship team and band. They have been working really hard, and uh, it's been it's been awesome. And I just want to recognize the three of them. Pastor Orlando is kind of the pastor over them, and these two gentlemen have been working on the music and the administration and doing a great job. Will you show your appreciation to them? Thank you. Great job. Thank you very much. Thank you. And all of those who are participating, we have some new folks that are joining, and uh, it's really encouraging. Thank you so much. So let's turn to Judges chapter 6. Thank you for all those brave people that uh, broke through the storm, our first winter storm. We've been having summer weather up till this morning, so it's been great. I want to uh, recognize Ann Audrey and her family that are here. Will you just honor these folks? This is our uh, <clears throat> kind of our family Christmas today, so we're going to get together afterwards because that's what Christmas is about, right? To be together as family and thank God for his blessing. So this morning we're going to continue our, our study, and this is our final uh, message on how to have intimacy with God. We've talked about the principle of position with Abraham, the principle of passion with Moses. We ran out of Sunday, so we're not going to get to the principle of perseverance, but it is in our book. But today we're going to finish with the principle uh, of perception. And so this is about Gideon. And so let's look at our study together. And uh, Judges chapter 6, beginning verse 1. And the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites <clears throat> planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with the livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels, and they invaded the land to ravish it. And Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord, because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you, gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite. 
where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about uh, when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Before you're seated, turn to the person next to you. Look them in the eye and say, I love you more than Christmas pudding. Be honest now. So we pick up our story today with Gideon hiding at the back of the cave. So before the sermon is out, we're going to try and get him out of the cave so he can get on with the plan A in his life. Plan B is he's hiding at the back of the cave. We've been talking about intimacy. It's pretty difficult to have intimacy without having emotion. And when we consider emotion, we understand that when we consider our soul, our soul is made up of mind, will, and emotion. And sometimes we focus on the mind. We know a lot about that. We've been talking about that. We've been talking about the will and surrendering to Father God so we're no longer servants and slaves, but sons and daughters. But there's an emotional part of us, for some of us, needs to come alive that our emotions are being influenced by parents, culture, and generations, and that's what we've been studying. And when we're going to, if we're going to have intimacy with one another, if we're going to have intimacy with God, there's got to be a place for emotion. I want to hasten to say that there are people whose emotional level, uh, level are a little lower than others. Others are too high. And there's a danger in emotion that all we become is emotional and we don't have a balance. But I'm talking about a spiritual sense of connection and attachment. You see, if if we're going to have intimacy with God, we've got to understand John 15, where Jesus said to abide in the vine. The beautiful thing about that is that God doesn't call us to produce the fruit. He says, I'm calling you to abide. I'm calling you to become attached. I'm calling you to rise up and become alive and give yourself totally to me and I will bless you and I will give you the desires of your heart just like a father gives a son and daughter. And so when we consider this element of emotion, here's what I want to say to you. Even though you're presented with evidence that something is true, You really won't believe it unless you feel that it's true. 
And so we can safely say, to bring about change, we have to have an emotional connection with the truth. And so we can find ourselves sitting Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and we can be in the pew, and we can be in the chair for 25 years, and nothing ever changes because our emotions are shut down. Good place for amen there. Boy, snow does interesting things to people, doesn't it? Oh, it's so, it's all snowing. Let's just, oh, should we go to, anyway. There's a freedom. There's a liberty. There's a place that we can have in knowing God if we will become emotionally connected with the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so there are places and there are territories in our soul because of uh, of circumstances that the enemy has caused to shut down. God wants to bring that alive this morning. He wants us to tune in. You see, it's not not the transmitter that the problem is. It's the receiver. And we got to dial in to what his voice is. we got to dial in to what his word says. When we get excited about truth, you see, some of us are fearful about truth. Oh, oh, if I, if I do what God's asking me to do, I've I, I got to change who I am. I, I was raised this way. The way that we were raised, God's intention is that it would develop love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, long-suffering, self-control. And as we've been learning together, sometimes there's a deficit there. But the exciting thing is whatever we went through with, with parents and culture and generations, there's a heavenly Father this morning that's ready to take you by the hand and show you great things and show you new things and show you fresh things. Our, our, our religion, our relationship needs to come alive once again. We need to be a fellowship that's in tune with Holy Spirit. We need to come back and be a fellowship that preaches the whole counsel of God. We've got to be a fellowship that comes back and stop apologizing for the word and preach the word and declare the word and respond to the word. We need to stop just being hearers of the word but become doers of the word. God, help me to become emotionally connected with who you are. May I not be a bystander but may I be a participant. May I be someone who says, that's the word of God. That's for me. Because I'll tell you right now, Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us. He's talking to us through the word, through the preaching, uh, uh, through, through worship. All day long, Holy Spirit is speaking to us. You've got to set the receiver to say, yes, Holy Spirit, what you speak to me, I'll become who you want me to become. Sunday after Sunday, some people just sit in the pew, sit in the chair. Yeah. 
just because you're old doesn't mean you're dead. It's time to come alive. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will come into his courts with praise. What is that? I'm in the holy of holies all week long. I can hardly wait to get to church Sunday morning where I can praise and I can worship and I can begin to extol who God is. Well, the worship team didn't quite sing the song that I wanted. Oh, God, help us to have soft hearts. Help us to stop being servants. That our life is so predictable. Just kind of like dead wood that needs to be set on fire. I'm looking for somebody that has some fire. See, we used to talk about fire. We used to talk about Holy Ghost. We used to talk, we even used to talk about speaking in tongues years ago. I only got two Sundays left, so I've got to lay it all out. Every day I pray... Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and invade our service. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and just and take over. For some of us, it's been a long time since he took over. Do you know he wants to? God, help us to have passion. Help us to have emotion. To bring about change, we have to have an emotional connection. Do we have PowerPoint? It's coming. I know it's coming. And as we've been teaching, the perception we have of ourselves, well, I say, Pastor, if I know when you're going to start teaching on the notes, we would put it up there. So, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to come back to my, thank you. The perception we have of ourselves is often influenced by, as we've been teaching, family of origin, culture, generation. The three things that God said to Abraham to leave so he could step into plan A, which is his destiny. I want plan A for you as individuals, and I'm believing for plan A for you in the new year as a church. And I believe many of you, that's what you desire. So let's look at our study together. Here we find Gideon at the back of the cave. So this message is going to be brought to you by the letter R. We're going to talk about repentance, resources, restructure, resolve, and renew. I'm supposed to have three points. Uncle Stu would not be happy with me. I have five. So... We'll try to work through them here as quickly as we can. How do we get out of the cave? I believe that we get out of the cave through repentance. Many of us can think back of the day that he bought, brought beauty for ashes. And, and this is kind of a simple truth to start with. 
But I want you to picture, <coughs> excuse me, Gideon at the back of the cave. So he's standing, he's facing the wall, and the entrance of the cave is over there. And so the first thing that he has to do, he has to turn around. But here's what happens with some of us as Christians. We turn our head so we can see the, the destiny, but we don't turn our heart. Watch this. So I can turn my head, but I can't just turn my heart. So if I'm going to come out of the cave, I have to turn my heart toward the plan that God has for me. So repentance is turning not only our head, but turning our heart. I'm going this way, God speaks to me, I'm no longer going that way, but I'm going this way. That's repentance. The challenge is, when we look at parents, culture, and generations, when we look at our soul, our soul is influencing us more than our spirit. That's why we stay in the desert, and that's why we stay at the back of the cave. That's not where God has planned for you. He has greater things for you than that. We are at the back of the cave because of doubt and fear and worry and unforgiveness and often because we believe a lie. There are things that have been spoken to us through people and through the enemy. They are lies. All Satan can do is lie. That's why we have to respond to the word. The head is turned, but the heart isn't. And so you have to identify where your treasure is. So we need to ask ourselves this morning, what is our treasure? What's the most important thing to us? What is the most significant thing? Because if you find your treasure, you'll find your heart. I want to challenge you as you come into this new year to be brave enough to give God your heart. We've been talking about this now for several weeks. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you find your treasure, you'll find your heart. So when you give your heart to the Father, be ready for him to identify some things that he will want. He's going to put his finger on your stuff. The problem is, there's stuff that I like. But as I look at my journey in the last some 22 years, it has been a consistent uh, uh, declaration and choice of giving him things that he wants that are contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. I'm just excited to be able to say I'm not the same person today at, as I was years ago. And that's called sanctification. And that's what we have lost in the church. Where Holy Spirit, I'm ready for you to change me. I'm ready to go on a journey with you. I'm ready to become like you. It, it isn't about religion coming Sunday after Sunday and sitting in the chair. It's about having intimacy with Father God as sons and daughters all week long. Our denomination has got to get out of the outer court and the inner court and come back to what we were called to and that is to be in the holy of holies and know the power and the anointing and the fullness of Holy Spirit. And I believe with all my heart if the leaders go there, the house will follow. We need pastors and we need staff and we need deacons 
that know what it is to experience the Holy of Holies. So if you're going to come out of the cave, if you're going to come out of that learned behavior, if you're going to come out of that living in your soul, living in those things that are contrary to the fruit of the Spirit, you've got to turn around. You've got to understand repentance. Number two, resources. This whole message today is to declare to you, you have what it takes. And I want to speak that over you in this, our second final message, because next Sunday is Christmas, and we, we, just, we just want to, I, I want you to be happy next Sunday. <laughs> it's Christmas. I, but, I, but I want you to hear the word of God. I want, to, I want to speak over you this morning. You have what it takes. Whatever God is calling you to and calling you to be, you have what it takes. <clears throat> you notice that the staff has everything cleared away from me. So they don't want me to run over something today. Genesis 7. Let's look at this together. Genesis 7, verse 1. The Lord then said to, to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I've found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal. Let me stop there for a minute. So I was reading this. <coughs> and because I'm so old, I went to Sunday school. And I was taught that the animals came in two by two. But here it said seven pairs of every kind of clean animal. <coughs> Excuse me, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Now the answer to why there were these seven pairs is found in chapter 8 and verse 20. Then Noah built an ark to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. What I want you to see here is that the seven... Excuse me. Putting the lid. Um, <clears throat> the reason that there were the seven pairs was for sacrifice. And so I want you to see here that God put into the ark what was necessary for life, multiplication, and sacrifice. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. To have intimacy with God is not going to ha just happen. You've got to be intentional. You've got to make a choice. You've got to ask the Father, Father, I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. Tell me what my devotions need to look like. He will tell you, and you go and do it, but it's going to require a sacrifice. There will likely be something you'll have to give up. And so you make a choice of intimacy. 
but God has put in each and every one of you what you need for life, multiplication, and sacrifice. You have what it takes. And so when you begin to understand the call of God from the Father to intimacy, you say yes to the Lord, and you find yourself presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Do you want to come in today? Do you want to move from the outer court and the inner court into the Holy of Holies? As I've been saying, the Holy of Holies, Holy of Holies is not uh, just for Pastor Connie, and she can go in there so easily. And No, it's for all of us. God has called us to that place. Sometimes we feel unworthy. Sometimes we feel God is maybe so distant. And so we keep our face to the wall. Sometimes we say, if I turn around, I don't have what it takes to get out. But I believe the Bible says that you have what it takes. Here's what's really interesting in our story. The Bible says that the prophet came and told the Israelites about all the times that God had answered prayer. Then in the next verse, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, and he began to talk to him about his future. Here's what I want you to see. I believe that there are times when we need to look back at the goodness and the love and the faithfulness of God. But you know what? Every once in a while, I need somebody to step into my life and tell me it's going to be okay. I need somebody that's a prophet and has a prophetic voice just to come and speak over my life and say, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through together. You see, that's what it is to know God. He speaks into us. He reminds us of the past, but he also reminds us about the future. We need the prophetic anointing on our worship. We need prophetic anointing uh, on our preaching where we've been with God and we can tell people with confidence it's going to be okay. You see, when the angel of the Lord came, Gideon was hiding from the enemy. And he said to him, it's going to be okay. Gideon's standing there and the angel of the Lord's there kind of taken aback, and, and, and he adds this. He looks at Gideon, and he says to him, you are a mighty warrior. And Gideon goes, you see, it's not what people have spoken over you, and it's not even where you are right now. It's where Father God is calling you to. It's where God wants to take you. And I want to speak this over you this morning as individuals and as a church. You are a mighty warrior. You are positioned for greatness because of the God that you know. You are positioned for greatness because of the word that you believe in. You are positioned for greatness because of the God that you have confidence in. Never mind where you are. Where are you going? So you've got to turn around. and You've got to know that you have what it takes. You have within you the resources. 
to do what God's asking you to do. Number three, restructure. I won't take time to read this because, as usual, we're tight for time. But let me just say this. David wanted to bring up the ark of the Lord, the presence of God. And so he called out two men, two priests, Uzzah and Ohio. And so they, were, they put the ark on a new cart. They started to move forward. And the ox stumbled. And Uzzah reached up and steadied the ark. And God struck him down. Two emotions of David. He was angry with God. And he was also afraid of God. So he said, we better think this out. And all the men that were with him agreed. So he left the ark at the house of Odom Edom. And it was there for three months. And word came back to David. And the Bible says that God blessed his house and everybody that was around. How many know where the presence of the Lord is? There's a blessing. Hallelujah. That's what I'm saying. Some of you are struggling so much to try to get ahead. And I'm just here to tell you, if you'll prioritize intimacy with the Father, he's going to come and help you. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to order your steps. He's going he's to allow that, that your pathway to stop being a pathway and become a highway because you're now relying not on mind, will, and emotion, but you're, allowing, you're relying on the Spirit, and, and, and the Spirit speaks to you. <coughs> Excuse me. So David went to the Bible. And there was clear direction on how he was to carry the ark. It's always interesting that leaders get ahead of God and then they, they, they see the mess and then they, they go to the Bible and they go to prayer and they repent and they figure it out. We need to begin to do that ahead of time. <clears throat> it would really be helpful. And so he began to realize that it was the priests that needed to carry the ark, and they were to carry it with structure, and it was to sit not on a cart, but, but on this carrier, and the priests were to carry it. So David went to the priest <clears throat> said, I want you to bring the ark up from Odom Edom to my house, to my, my palace. They looked at David. You want us to carry this ark? Do you want to happen to the last person that carried the ark? What's interesting is they got it right this time, but they took a step or two, and then they offered a sacrifice. You see, that's called the fear of God. Oh, this is where it really gets exciting. The fear of God is to simply be aware of God and submit to his will. This is not rocket science. This is just simply being a son and daughter saying, God, I really need you in my life. I'm going to take time and I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I want to hear your voice and I want to be in your will because I don't want to miss out on what your plan is for me. Present your bodies a living sacrifice 
holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. So they took a couple steps. They wanted to make sure God was happy, so they, they did a sacrifice. They took another couple steps. They're looking around. <laughs> okay, let's do another sacrifice. God's put in you what is necessary for life and multiplication and sacrifice. See, God wants you to multiply. He doesn't want you just with ordinary things. He wants, he wants to bless. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. I'm telling you that the Father wants to bless you as sons and daughters if you'll rely on him. So they carried the presence of the Lord. And they lived to tell about it because they restructured. Number four, and just, just under restructure, just to say your soul took you in, but the spirit will bring you out. That's the beauty of this. It's about giving my, bringing my soul every day into submission to Holy Spirit. Number four, resolve. <clears throat> I think I like this one the best. What puts you in the cave will be waiting for you when you come out. Some people think, well, if I, if I really get into this devotional thing and I, I please God, well, everything's going to be okay. Well, sometimes there's still challenges. And so, and so Gideon's in the back of the cave and, and he starts to come out and, you know, the enemy's still there. But it's so beautiful when you follow that story along with the fleeces and all that Gideon went through. God saw them through. So we can say if you've repented and you know your source and you've restructured yourself, all you need now is resolve. I talked to somebody who was a manager of a company and, and there was 40 of them and they went away in a retreat and basically they had 12 words that they put in the hat and they talked and talked and talked. And the one word they came out that was going to be their mandate uh, for 2023 was resolve. I want to challenge you to have resolve today. I want to challenge you to be intentional. I want to challenge you to be disciplined. I want to challenge you to make a choice. I'm going to serve God with everything that's within me. I'm going to give God my heart. Because I know if God's my treasure... If the word's my treasure, if his presence is my treasure, if worship is my treasure, my heart's going to follow and there's going to be blessings that he brings us. Oh, I'm having a good time this morning. I hope you catch something today because it's so real. For my wife and I, this is so real. I told you, 30 years as a pastor, circling in the desert, until God speaks and he shows us what it is to step in to his plan and his way. Final point is renew. And so we look at repentance and resources and restructure and resolve. Now renew. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. The lie forced you in, but it's the truth that will bring you up. We've got we've to embrace the truth. We, become, we need to become emotionally connected with what the Bible is saying, what Holy Spirit is saying to us. 
You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here, truth and trust are intertwined. God called Gideon a mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. And, and, and his point was, I'm, I'm, I'm of the weakest clan. I'm, of, I'm the weakest in my family. You know what? His strength is made perfect in your weakness. If you try to do life from your soul and from your body, your mind, will, and emotions in your body, you're gonna, you're, your weakness will show. But if you rely on Holy Spirit and walk with him every day, you will become strong. Because God said to Gideon, go in the strength that you have. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So God, lead us. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> we can help people who say, I can't. But we can't help people who say, I won't. I want to encourage you to be people to say, I can do this. Because his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Let me close with this. This is so cool. We've had the diagram here of the Israelites. 600,000 men crossed the first river, only two crossed the second. 600,000 men died in the desert. And God not only calls us to have faith to cross the first river, but obedience to cross the second, which builds trust. So we come to Gideon. We talk to you about Abraham and how his father, parents, culture, generations, became a wall that he had to choose to push through. We talk to you about Moses, who basically never had a father because he grew up in, father's, in, in Pharaoh's court. And so he never had that emotional connection with his earthly father. So he came to the second river, but he never crossed because the Bible says he lacked the fear of God and he lacked trust in God. And so in both instances, fathers played a huge role. But we find here that Moses was not able to push through, but Abraham did. Again, we can't let yesterday impact today. So how does this apply to Gideon? So in Judges 6 and verse 24, as we close, this is what we read. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Abizarites. So that's the first altar. And so Gideon builds a first altar. Then, this is what it says in the next verse. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the astral pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar. <laughs> Come on, church. You see, there's a second river to cross, 
and there's a second altar to build. And again, it had to do with his father. And what are we saying in this? Again, parents, culture, and generations can keep us in the desert when God wants to bring us into destiny. Don't let your soul influence your spirit. Don't let the deficits of yesterday keep you back. Take the hand of the Father. And what's so cool here is that God was calling Gideon to lead the Israelites against the Amalekites, but he first had to cut off, watch this, the soul tie and influence of his father. So God said, I want you to go into uh, your father's herd and take a calf seven years old. I was reading this this morning, and how many years were the Israelites in sin? Seven years. So cool. The Bible is so cool. So take the calf seven years. And you see, when we're obedient to God and we step out of fear and into faith, God brings deliverance. So he said, what I want you to do, I want you to take a calf seven years old out of your father's herd. And oh, take the wood and tear down the altar of Baal. And so whatever it is that is keeping us back from yesterday, it's time to sacrifice and it's time to tear it down. And so Gideon responded. This is kind of interesting. He got his friends together, but they did it at night. It's okay to do stuff afraid as long as you do it. So he went. God said, I want you to prove to yourself and I want you to prove to the Israelites that you're not dependent on your father, your culture, your generations, but you're dependent on me. So let the people know that you're all in. So he went. And he presented his sacrifice to the Lord, which was his reasonable service. He lit a match to the past. He took a hand of the Father and allowed the Israelites to be set free from the enemy. Will you stand with me together? Call is to intimacy. Worship team, if you'll come. The call is to say, I'm going to take all the good things <clears throat> that come from parents, culture, and generation. There's so many good things we can glean. But as I've been teaching you, whatever is contrary to the fruit of the Spirit, We need to set aside. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just been a wonderful sense of God's presence here today.
And I want to leave you with this message, and I want to leave you with this, this word. You are a mighty warrior. Don't let anyone tell you different. Don't let the enemy try to diminish you. Don't let anyone try to make you feel small. Because God is here to make you feel big. <laughs> he's here to build you up. Can I tell you, he's the glory and the lifter of our head. So whether it's shame or whether whatever it is, words spoken over us, this is not an hour to allow our head to look down, <coughs> for our eyes to look down. It's time to look up. When, Abraham, when God was speaking to Abraham, he said, Abraham, come on out of the tent and look up and count the stars. It's time for the people of faith to count the stars because the glory of God will come as we draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to us. You've heard this message today, and I want to remember you in the closing prayer. You'd say, Pastor, as I've heard these messages, heard this teaching, you're maybe not really into this whole intimacy thing that sometimes even makes you feel uncomfortable. But I want to encourage, I want to nudge you begin to give your heart to Father God in just even a feeble way he'll meet you but as we've taught this morning when it came right back to it as God was fathering this life as God was fathering Gideon because his earthly father he was in sin he was he was a big part of the problem. He was one of the leaders and he was offering sacrifices to Baal. God said, take my hand. Light a fire to the past. If that past includes shame, if that past includes being made to feel small, if that past is, is holding you back, trying to put a match to it, it's time to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. You're here today. You've sensed God speaking to you, and you know there's some things that you've got to walk away from. Can I just see your hand? I want to remember you in closing prayer. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Just go ahead all across this place. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Be obedient. Be a son. Be a daughter. Say, God, take me out of this situation. Help me to have resolve. Oh, that's beautiful. In a moment, we're going to worship the Lord. But let's just pray for those whose hands are raised. So God, the, the default, the default is just to be a servant, just to live an ordinary life, just to kind of get along. But God, you call us to so much more. We embrace the many things that we take from our parents and culture and generation. We thank you for those. But Lord, there are things that we need to leave today that's contrary to you and your will. For those that raise their hands today, I pray, Lord, for your goodness and love. I pray that we will take your hand. We will set aside anything that's not of you. 
will choose to go on this journey to become everything that you've called us to be. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Let's worship the Lord as we close. Worship team, bless you as you meet him. God.